Good morning and welcome, and thank you for joining us here or online, wherever you might be. Take your Bibles, turn with me again, this time to the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, looking today at the first eight verses. Though we are studying in Ecclesiastes 12 today, I'd like to start with a New Testament passage that I think is well connected to what we learned today. I'll start with this passage in 1 Peter, and I will uh, end with it as well. If I can get that on the screen here. We're in 1 Peter 4. There we go. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one, spe- as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. We were created to serve. Last week, if you were with us, you may have recalled the last four verses of chapter 11 remind us that God designed for us to enjoy things. This week, we see that God designed for us to do things, to accomplish things. He has an individual plan for us. He only created one of you. And so there's something unique about you that he calls and guides you to do. So I wanted to be thinking about that. We'll return to this passage in 1 Peter later on. It's especially important when we realize from our passage today that every life has an expiration date. Each of us will find ourselves marching towards that date. And so that is why Solomon writes to us and says, verse 1, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Now, I'd like us to read through almost the, almost the whole passage, the first five verses. It's almost all one sentence, depending on how your translation does it, but it's really one sentence. But the main subject and verb is remember your creator. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred. That's the end of the sentence. Then it says, Then man goes to his eternal home, and mourners go about the streets. He's basically saying, remember your creator before you get too old. To do what he asks you to do. The two key terms being remember and creator, so we need to get these words right. 
remember does not simply mean remember mentally to say, oh, God exists and he created me. It's more than just a mental awareness. It's not just remembering your wife's birthday, though I would suggest that's not supposed to just be a mental thing either because if you can imagine yourself about 9 p.m. on your wife's birthday saying, oh, and by the way, happy birthday, honey. Without doing anything, you didn't really remember the birthday because what remember means is to remember and do, and most of our remembering is like that. Remember to take your medication. Take the medication. There's an action to that. Remember to change the oil in the car is to actually do something about that. And it, it's especially true with this Hebrew word for remember. It's remember and act. Obey. Serve. I'm going to just show you a few examples used both God speaking as well as of God and as well as of others. Genesis 8, but God remembered Noah and all the animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and God caused a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. So it wasn't just God saying, oh, that's right, there's someone in a boat. <laughs> it said he dried the land so they could get back on it and continue living. Genesis 19, then God destroyed the cities of the plain, or when he did, he remembered Abraham and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. So he remembered Abraham and acted on his behalf and spared his nephew Lot when he rained sulfur and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He rescued him. Joseph, when Joseph was unjustly imprisoned, there was another man that... Joseph prophesied would be released and as that man was released Joseph said to him but when all goes well with you remember me and show me kindness mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison so remember and tell Pharaoh something of course you know perhaps the man did not or Judges 8 no sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostrated them, prostituted themselves to the Baals and did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them, meaning they didn't obey. So the response to God working on your behalf should be to do something, primarily obey, serve, accomplish, act. So when it says to remember your creator in the days of your youth, it means do what he wants you to do. Youth uh, is important. We saw in the last week as it was talking in verse 9 about be happy young man and enjoy things while you were young. We realized that youth means with whatever degree of youth you have left. And you have some degree of youth. You, you made it through the doors uh, this morning. And this passage is going to take us meticulously through different parts of our mental and physical deterioration. It's not a pretty scene, though it is rather poetically stated. So we ask ourselves, why did God inspire this part of Scripture for us? Did he want to discourage us about the frustrations of aging? No. Did he want to motivate us to get going with doing, obeying, and serving him because the clock is running out on life for all of us? And the answer is yes, yes, and it's definitely true if you're younger. 
We all understand deadlines. You'll notice if you have a deadline at work, suddenly you can work more intense and focused. I know that by about Thursday and Friday especially, my, my study becomes more focused because at 5.30 on Saturday, I don't want to be standing up here and kind of mumbling around if possible. Everyone's aware of their age deadline. You have some sense, some sense of your own life expectancy. If someone were to ask you, how long do you think you'll live? If you had to guess, you've done this math before, haven't you? You have some idea. But even then, you know you don't really know. Which makes it all the more urgent. Because there can be accidents and unexpected diagnoses in 2021. Solomon is writing late in life himself, so his, his observations about aging could be very, very personal that we read here. And so we have the perspective of a man who is older, perhaps experiencing these things, and he is the wisest man that ever lived. And he is telling us, remember your creator with every bit of youth you have. Why does he describe God with this term creator? He could, there's so many great terms for God. Why creator? I think he uses creator because creators determine the purpose of what they create. Creators determine the purpose of what they create. Some years ago, I had some scrap cedar boards left over from uh, siding my garage when it was new. And uh, I used some of those scrap boards to build a little um, cedar house that encompassed my mailbox. So I got a tiny little cedar house. That's the whole story. If you're looking for a punchline, that's it. I, I built a little house. Because I was the creator. I could create what I want. I could have created a, a litter box or a picture frame, but we don't have a cat, and I didn't need a picture frame. I made a little mailbox that's now been serving our purposes for maybe, what, 15 years. Creators determine the purpose of what they create. Why did God create you? Because we need to remember to do, to serve our creator for the purpose for which he created us. We, we, and because we are not uh, like passive, uh, impersonal boards, we actually get to decide if we will serve that purpose. We get to be involved in the process of seeking out what might be that purpose and, and different purposes throughout the seasons of life. But don't forget the point. We're here because we have a creator and he had a purpose, and the stakes are high because now, hang on for Solomon's very real, often blunt, description of aging. The first is that our mind might fail. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come. That's general, all kinds of trouble that can come. And the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the light, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. Probably referring to some of our mental abilities or capacities. Describing stages of life when you can't enjoy 
things as much or as well or maybe not much of anything. Now, of course, there are physical reasons why people can't enjoy certain things, as we'll see later. When I'm 80, I'll probably not take up pole vaulting. Would never have been a good idea with my coordination. But this, I think, is referring to mental or an emotional capacities. When your mind is confused, it does affect your emotions. Through the years, I've had different opportunities to share in chapel or church services in different nursing home facilities. And, and you're sometimes struck with the fact that some people don't smile at all or that some people seem to be unable to find delight even in the things that they used to find delight in. So serve God now while you have that emotional ability to enjoy things. Serve God now when maybe your mental capacity will be darkened. The sun, light, moon, stars are darkened. Probably the, the, the mind that has been bright, the mind that has, has, has fueled your career, the mind that has interacted socially with people, but suddenly as, as you begin to get a little more confused, you, you have less confidence and you're quiet and you're hesitant because you're not really sure you can follow the flow of conversation very well. And the clouds return after the rain. This metaphor uh, could speak of kind of that repetition that would be unnecessary, but we don't know that we just said that. It rains and you cloud and you say it again and you say it again. You don't have to raise your hand if you've ever done that already, but... Yeah, we do that. Or does this cloud after the rain refer to the depression that often sets in with with advanced age because one thing after another seems to be taken away from you? Regardless, we know that age can take some joy out of life, but don't forget the the, the context. It's the stark reality that in light of aging, we need to have a fire lit under us to remember, to do, to serve, to obey, to act on that which God has created us to do because tomorrow we have one less day to do it. Let's apply this issue of God's gift of our minds. Jesus said in Mark 12, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Your mind is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Your mind is why you can uh, make a living. Because you use your mind in whatever job you have. Because your mind is not yet darkened. Students, your, your minds are now developing and increasing in knowledge. So that someday you can make a living and pay for my social security, so study hard. Your mind might be geared towards hands-on skills. I always admire those who are smart at the trades. Right now on the lower level, the trades are at work. And they can just boom, boom, boom. They just do, know the next thing to do, and they do it well. Many of you have contributed some of those kind of skills. Some minds are geared for technical things. If you're watching this online, it's because of people with technical skills. So we have people in sound and 
and, uh, and video and production and people who watch over our computers and your mind might be geared especially God wired it to follow wires other minds are really equipped well for relationships in a special way we're all made for relationships but some people they just they encourage others they they have the the conversations and sometimes the verbal skills to do more than others encouraging one another others of you are gifted as teachers whether it's small groups or larger groups whether it's kids or adults but you just have a way of of here's the truth of God's word and, and you're able to explain that so somebody else can benefit whether it's your child at home or or or, or it's in a, in, a, in a young person's class a kid's build or whether it's adults don't take it for granted not everybody can do that like you can love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength Sorry, a couple passages about the mind. Acts 17, 2. Paul was one of those with the mind, as was his custom. Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Don't you think God gave him some unique gifts to be able to talk with the unbelievers? We all need to share the gospel, but some of you are specially equipped. You understand their thinking, and you communicate well. Others are those teachers Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. You don't provide the content, but you know how to communicate it. Mind and strength. Strength really kind of introduces much of the rest of this section. As we age, we will lose some of those mental abilities, but we also can lose some physical abilities. So as we keep reading in verses 3, 4, and 5, don't lose the point of the poetry that because these things are going to be diminished in our life, that's why we need to use these physical abilities more to the service of God, our Creator, for as long as we can. When the keepers of the house tremble, a number of these uh, metaphors are going to now be drawn from like a house that is in the, maybe in the process of, of decay, but the, the house is the idea. The keepers of the house tremble. What, what part of the body is that? Because now he's talking about not only how the mind fails, but how the body fails. The keepers of the house. What's the... The keeper probably, some of you have the word watchman or guard. It refers to maybe on an estate, a house might have a, a, somebody at the, at the front gate who's guarding the property. If somebody were to attack you, what's the first thing you do? You put up your hands, your arms. You're going to protect yourself with your, with your guns. You, know. you, are, you are, your hands, you're going to, going to take it on. You're going to protect your family. You're going to protect your property. Until someday the keepers of the house will tremble. Until someday you, you may have somebody else helping you get a drink because you can't hold the glass. Strong men, when the strong men stoop or bow or bent, probably describing the, the bent over position often of someone who is older, arthritis or other weakness in the back or the legs and 
you can no longer pick up your end of the piano like you did with your friend in the 20s. I'll always remember when I, we moved here in uh, decades ago, of course, but we moved here and uh, one thing I brought along from seminary was my file cabinet. It was a two drawer, it was full length and it was filled with papers. And the way you move a file cabinet is, and I remember I did it in Dallas, I, I took out the drawers, you carry them in, you take in the part and you put it back together, right? We arrived here in Wisconsin and, and, and one big guy comes and picks up the whole thing like this and carries it into the house. I was rather intimidated by Wisconsin men at that point. <laughs> They're all lumberjacks. Turns out a lot of them are normal like me. But the strong men will stoop. A few weeks ago, some uh, of the strong backs and legs were used to, to bring the, the concrete block that was uh, taken out of the basement and bring them up the stairs and put it in the dumpster. Some teenage arms and legs and other adults. Uh, you were remembering your creator in the days of your youth. You were loving God with your strength. And God has used so much uh, strength physically through the years to accomplish spiritual things, helping whether it's a ministry here or neighbors or others in the name of Christ. Verse 3 also, when the grinders cease because they are few. You know what those are, right? Your grinders. Your teeth. They become few. In Solomon's day, there was not modern dentistry. Today, we replace our grinders with fake grinders where necessary. And uh, yet there are places in the world, impoverished or primitive, where many older people have hardly any teeth remaining. The next metaphor shifts to a deteriorating house very specifically. When it says, and the, those looking through the windows grow dim. These are your windows. Some of you know that just, what, a month ago, I had a cataract taken out of this eye and got a new plastic lens because this eye was getting darker and, and blurrier. And so through modern optometry and surgery, the doctor reopened the window for me. Two descriptions in verse 4 also of hearing loss. I'm sorry, yeah, this is verse 4. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. We close doors because we don't want to hear what's going on outside, but this is when the doors are closed when you wish you could hear what's going on outside because your doors are closed and you don't hear the children playing outside or the dogs barking or the garbage truck pull up to the curb. The sound of grinding fades. This grinding was the, probably the grinding of the mill. Last several years, while studying, you can hear different grinding in the discipleship center process and hear some grinding now. And that's, that's always a good thing because it's, it's progress. And it also means my, my hearing isn't gone. The second part of verse 4 refers to hearing when you don't want to hear. When men rise up at the song, sound of birds, but all their song, songs grow faint. So many of us can relate to waking up too early. 
You want to keep sleeping, but the slightest sound wakes you up and you can't get back to sleep. And, and yet at time, as time progresses, the verse says, some sounds grow faint. Some of you might have a translation that is more the literal Hebrew at the end of this of verse 4. The daughters of song are brought low. Could refer to the songs of those birds or it could refer to just simply the fact that music is hard to hear. Or it becomes hard to hear normally. Aging brings hearing loss, but also hearing changes. Sometimes the voices are, are harder, but the background uh, sounds are louder and just gets more difficult. It's, a, it's kind of amazing, isn't it, how Solomon 3,000 years ago was making observations that are really quite modern in terms of science, but yet Solomon was a scientist we know from 1 Kings 4 and Ecclesiastes 1, actually, where he investigated all kinds of scientific issues, besides the fact he may have experienced them himself now. Verse 5, more and greater fears. When men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when you can't see well, you can't hear well, and your legs are weak, you don't walk as confidently. Your teens or early adult years, you can walk along the bluff or the cliff and, and, and you really are quite confident because you know just where you are and you can adjust and you, you really are safe. But as you begin to lose these different abilities, you just walk more cautiously and you're afraid of more things. As we study this, it is obvious the main point is serve your creator now but shouldn't it also be obvious to us that if we are not suffering some of these age limitations, one of the best ways to serve our Creator is to serve those with advancing age, diminished abilities. Wouldn't His purpose include caring for and being sensitive to those who are older? Somebody who is older and limited could be seen as a bother. But if we are not sensitive and caring for them in their old age, who will be caring and sensitive to us in ours? May your children see you model patience and care with those who are older because we serve God when we serve those who are older. The only way to escape aging is to die early or suddenly. So if you don't want that, we have to realize this is everyone's story. Also in verse 5, when the almond tree blossoms, mine is starting to blossom. If you Google, if you're on your phone, anyhow, go ahead and Google almond blossoms. What you'll see is a bunch of white flowers on the almond tree. Actually, Solomon's metaphor for White hair is kind of nice. It has kind of a beautiful dignity to it. Of course, there's nothing evil about painting your almond blossoms if you want them darker. After all, we replace lenses in the eye or cochlear implants. Or if we were to count the number of artificial joints in the room, we would have some uh, metal or plastic among us, I'm sure. Kind of like the next phrase, and the grasshopper drags himself along. You ever tried to catch a grasshopper? Grasshoppers are quick. They, they just, boom, 
unless they're maimed, injured. And as much as we would like to spend our life, you know, all lively and without aid, there's a time when we will use a cane or a walker and we will shuffle more than skip. And the last line of this says the desire is no longer stirred. Some of you have the uh, New American Standard. The caperberry fails. Caperberry is an olive-sized fruit in the Mediterranean that is... Uh, uh, pickled and mostly used as a condiment. Some think it was known as an aphrodisiac. Others say it was simply known as that it was, which is tart or tasty. But regardless, it's speaking of the basic idea that desires uh, or tastes are diminished or lost with age. The final phrase of verse 5 is not a metaphor. It's the conclusion of this paragraph, at least. It's literal. Then man goes to his eternal home, and mourners go about the streets. Maybe a half dozen references to heaven in all of Ecclesiastes. This is one, and in verse 7 we'll now see another. The Spirit returns to God who gave it. Because Ecclesiastes, as we've said, is mostly about life on earth, but Solomon had his theology correct. We have an eternal home. We live forever. And we have spoken recently of the importance of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ because on the cross he paid for our sins that we could put our faith in him. Our sins would be forgiven and because he was raised we can have eternal life. So if you place your faith in Jesus Christ you will have eternal life in heaven. Solomon acknowledges our eternal home and that's our future after this life. But back on planet earth we grieve or we'll be grieved. Mourners go about the streets. For verses 6 and 7, Solomon takes a deep breath to repeat the main point. Remember him. Remember the creator in the days of your youth. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wing broken at the well, wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. So, remember to serve, do, obey, because God created you with a purpose, because you will die. How well do you think you did fulfilling the purpose for which you were created in the past year? Because crises tempt us to think or be more selfish. Oh no, not safe enough, not enough toilet paper, not enough freedom. All kinds of fears, and fear by nature is self-focused, it's a threat to us, but anything that threatens us can distract us from the purpose for which we were created. And so it calls us to make sure to fulfill that purpose because we can't even be guaranteed finishing out 2021. And so Solomon says, here are some ways you can die. And he doesn't even apologize for his dark poetry or morbid images. He says them well before the silver cord is 
severed. Serve God before you die of something going wrong in your spinal cord. The ancients knew that this this spine was really, really important. It could leave you, an injury could leave you paralyzed or dead. Or the golden bowl, not just any bowl, the golden bowl is shattered. A brain or head injury. Picture a valuable clay vessel, but this one is actually gold-plated. It's your best one. Each day, you look at your golden bowl in the mirror, right? And you, you shave it, lotion it, spread stuff on it to fool people. Comb, comb it. You protect it. You want it to look the best. You might even hope that these could kind of uh, mask some of the side effects of maturity that might be around your eyes because we take care of our bowl. We know it's the command center of life. Or the pitcher is shattered at the spring. Pitcher is something that contains fluid, right? And of course they knew that the heart contained blood and that an arrow in the heart of any animal or man was an instant kill. So a heart that fails is death. Or the wheel broken at the well. Until the last century, most water was pulled up from the ground through various ropes and wheel systems. Maybe this is likened to the vast system of vein and, and, and veins and, and, and blood vessels that circulated the blood. Because if, 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 if your blood drains out, you're gone. Verse 7, and the dust returns to the ground it came from. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. There's a separation of the body and the spirit. We know from Genesis 2, we are created as eternal beings. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being, soul. That's the spirit. We are, we are alive, but we were made of dust. And then when Adam sinned, God said, you are dust, and to dust you will return. And if you were to exhume the body of your great-great-grandfather, you would find only dust. But the spirit lives on, so Stephen, when he was stoned, this godly man, put to death for acknowledging, proclaiming Christ. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Or even Jesus, as he died, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit because our spirit is the real us. The spirit is the part that lives forever. The body will be resurrected in a new glorious form, but the spirit, we, we never cease to exist. And so Paul could say with confidence that to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. So death is not the end of life. It's just the end of life on earth. The Spirit returns to God who gave it. So, kind of surprisingly, he concludes with this statement of meaningless that he started the whole book with. And this is concluding the major body of the book. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless or empty or vanity. What's he saying? 
Why would he, after saying we should remember our creator, why would he say it's all worthless? That's not what he's saying. He's saying that if you do not remember your creator, if you do not serve the purposes for which you were created, then your life is empty. Then essentially your life is like the unbeliever who doesn't know God, but we are called to have a God-filled life among a whole world of empty lives. He's basically saying don't waste your life. So back to the idea of serving God now. 1 Peter 4. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Each of you, your name, your life, your life expectancy, his plan for you, why he made you, to what? Serve others. Serve others. Our life was not just ours to enjoy or indulge. The purpose of enjoying life was not about indulgence and self-focus, but to find joy because we're accomplishing the purpose for which God created us. So we need to figure this out. Because we are stewards of God's grace. We manage the grace that we've received. We've received grace as believers in, in two senses. We've received the grace of salvation as a free gift. Putting your faith in Christ means he gives you without cost, without obligation, completely free, eternal life. Apart from works, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, not by works so that no one should boast, but do you know the next verse? Ephesians 2, 10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So that was his intent. That was, that was why he created us. So, so what are those things? I think what Peter does is puts it in two categories. Some of the gifts that he gives and abilities are more about speaking and some are more serving. Either way, if you speak, it's got to be God's word. And if you serve, it's got to be his strength. Because he's the one that's supposed to receive the praise for all things. So do you know what your gifts or opportunities are and what you should be doing? Just to refer you to one passage about the gifts, a partial list in Romans 12, serving, leading, showing mercy, teaching, encouraging, giving. I don't know if the Holy Spirit would speak to you about one or more of those in a special sense. Is there someone that this week he wants you to call for the sake of encouragement? Someone uh, that needs to have you listen so you can show them mercy? Uh, someone that uh, you're sympathizing, you're not, you're not blaming? Is there some need that is aching for your leadership? Is there some financial need God puts on your heart? Is there some teaching opportunity 
this fall perhaps in kids build or some other group you'd email or call up and say hey Nate how can you use me and Nate would say all right someone who who needs your help I realize sometimes this concept of serving God is difficult to get started or restarted or restarted in a new season how how what what are what's what's your next step let me just try to simplify it have you asked God are you connected with people because if you ask God ask him for wisdom and you're connected with people you can just start serving someone somehow I'll bet you that God will direct you it, it may well be something that you're you're doing or that appeals to you already where God begins to direct you in some profound way specific way but remember your Creator serve him before you're too old on the farm where I grew up, all the, basically all the years I grew up, there was this other farm just across the road, about an eighth of a mile down. In my youngest years, I can remember people living there. But uh, I think I was probably still in middle school when I remember attending the auction at this farm. And so I can remember being in the house. If I'm correct, I don't think anyone ever lived in the house after that that was 50 some years ago and so throughout the years as you go back to the farm and if you drive past that one you see the house vacant and deteriorating in february last time i was in kansas i pulled into the drive it has now completely collapsed you can't even see it i don't think above the the basement foundation So it's officially a dead house now, right? But really, it has been meaningless for 50 years. Because it was a house, but it wasn't a house. Because it, it wasn't serving the purpose of a house. And that's, I think, what Solomon is saying as he describes the, the obvious, inevitable progression of life. And he says, otherwise it's meaningless, meaningless. Everything is, is meaningless. But if we, if we remember our creator, if we dig in and serve and seek, and his purpose is accomplished, we actually will enjoy while we do what he designed us to do. Let's pray. Lord, I know that this... Uh, part of scripture touches us each differently maybe because of our stage of life maybe because of uh, thinking back to years behind or if it can be more focused on years ahead uh, Lord your spirit has a way of taking your word and addressing exactly what you want us to hear I pray that we would be encouraged because we hear with whatever measure of youth and life you have given us that is remaining something you only know and you have a purpose for us 
And so help us to embrace that, seek it, uh, live with the frustrations, to expect your spirit, though, to guide us and use us to remember you until we are with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.